Welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We're two sisters on a mission to entertain and educate by learning from women who live a purpose-driven life. Be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. Today, we have Molly Eastman with us, and we're going to talk about everything sleep. We're all human, and we all sleep, so that's something we have in common, which is nice. And it looks, it just looks different on everybody. And, and today we're going to talk about your health and how your sleep patterns and um, your rituals and things like that, that Molly can talk to us about, help you as a human and create, creating that healthy life that you want. And it all starts with probably when your head hits the pillow. A hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Great to be connected. And yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak about what I really believe is one of the next big things in wellness is this emphasis on our sleep, our circadian health, um, and how by really understanding and then prioritizing this area, um, so many of our other journeys and goals with our health and our sleep um, can really come together and kind of fall into place. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if you do, if everyone kind of zooms out a little bit, when you see these like lists from doctors or therapists or mentors, it's always like, are you drinking water? Are you exercising? Yeah. Are you eating your greens? Are you taking vitamins? Yeah. Sleep, you sometimes see sleep, but it's yeah. not at the top and yes. maybe it should be. And maybe that's what you're trying to start this movement about. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think we have a lot of evidence as to the why that that's emerging in its importance. You know, it was only in 2017 that the Nobel Prize was given for understanding that, oh my God, we have clocks in virtually every cell and organ in our body. We didn't really understand that until just a few years ago. A um, few years before that in 2012 uh, was when our understandings of um, something called glymphatic drainage with a G versus lymphatic drainage. Uh, so glymphatic drainage is brain-based uh, kind of drainage process that cleanses the brain during deep sleep in particular, seems to be a large um, uh, percentage or aptitude for that, that amount of cleansing that's happening in the brain. Um, and the understanding that these things have particular times um, and importance, is now that glymphatic drainage that I mentioned, seems to be uh, connected with if you're not doing that efficiently and uh, consistently could set us up in certain studies, looks like there could be correlations between um, down the road neurological dif uh, dysfunctions. So Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia, other cognitive issues. And then on the short term, like, you know, brain fog, not feeling fully rested and alert and awake. Um, and so this area uh, is just beginning to have more and more evidence uh, to it of its importance. And I think there's a real opportunity for us to start learning more about just how much this thing that we do a third of our lives. So the average person around 26 years of our life um, is spent sleeping on average. So with that, we should probably know a little bit about it and considering 
the average doctor, like, unfortunately, don't expect your primary care doctor to know a lot about this, not their fault, but from systemically, the average primary care doctor is getting about two hours of training. And that's out of Harvard Medical. You know, some of our top most prestigious schools are still only prioritizing this area about two hours on average. So, you know, things are getting missed, unfortunately, when you do go to your primary care, like you mentioned that rattle off, well, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Are you taking your vitamins? Are you doing this extra? you know, the whole thing, but sleep and some of the signs for poor sleep might not always get captured. Uh, and so that's what we want to kind of dive into is how can we start to spot the signs and what can we do about it? I have a question about that glymphatic drainage is yeah. so that's something that happens naturally during your REM cycle, during your sleep that your body just takes care of it yourself. But if you're getting no sleep or chopped up sleep, it's not going to happen. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is a newer um, concept really in just the past few years and the past, um, you know, decade and change is understanding um, that what it seems, here's our best understanding is that in the first half of your sleep, that it's uh, the body seems to prioritize this uh, drainage and cleansing process of the brain, like deep cleaning of the brain. Um, and this seems to happen largely within deep sleep. And so uh, if you are doing things that impact your ability to get deep sleep, which again is on the first half of your night, when you, throughout the um, course of your night, your generalized sleep architecture moves from a higher ratio of deep sleep that your body's oscillating through in different sleep cycles. And then you oscillate into more percentage, a higher percentage of REM into your early morning hours before you wake up. Um, granted, if you're a shift worker, you might have a different schedule, but either way, it's your second half of your sleep. So what seems to be happening is that if you are not prioritizing your sleep, understanding some of the principles that can get you um, really sufficient and high quality sleep. If you are cutting off your first half, like your first window into your normal sleep cycle. So say you normally go to bed at 11 and Friday you go to bed at 1.30. Um, the problem with that is that our best understanding is that it seems that the body's still trying to keep us on track because we've got all those clocks in every cell and organ. Uh, so it's trying to stay on time. So it's saying, okay, well, I guess we're going to lob off some of that deep sleep that we would have gotten to kind of keep us on track. And then we're going to move into more REM. So you've lost kind of your opportunity to get as much of that deep cleansing of the brain that would have happened in that first half. Now, you know, maybe one or two nights. Okay. But if we're consistently doing this and other things besides even just timing can impact our um, penchant for getting deep sleep. So one could be a very common one I see all the time is eating later and not even like right before bed. I'm talking like, um, you know, maybe it's like an hour and a half or something. You take like a little bite of whatever. Um, and unfortunately that kind of turns on these clocks again. Uh, and there seems to be a mounting, mounting evidence that that could be confusing to our sleep wake cycle. Um, could kind of heat up the body, certainly at least give the body more homework to do um, because now it's having to digest and all that blood flow to the stomach when now it's like you're giving it tasks to do while you're sleeping to digest down in the stomach versus freeing it up to focus in on that glymphatic drainage and then all the other processes that it's got to do while you're sleeping as well. So is that, that's really interesting to have you break that down. It's like, 
it makes total sense. Like any common person can get that, but sometimes you just, you're like, oh, it's cause I'm going to get chubby if I eat late. And like, people don't connect all the dots. And I think it's yeah. like what you're saying in the brain fog, like to eliminate that, then you feel like you want to go to the gym. I feel like you're saying like, it makes total sense to take care of your sleep first to me. Yes. Right? Thank you. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I told my sister, I was talking to you and it might be the same answer as food, but she had a question about alcohol. Oh, is that yes. the same thing that's happening to your body? Like it's heating up and doing like double the work. Cause she's like, I can't Brilliant. sleep if I'm like drink red wine before, you yeah. know, going to bed. And then some like scientists will say you should drink wine. And it's like, I don't think that's ever really the solution. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, what a great question and correlation between the temperature piece. So, um, yes, yes, yes. A couple of things. Mm -hmm. One alcohol, um, falls under the category of what's known as chronopharmacology, fancy word for the timing of your drugs. What are some most common drugs like, uh, uh coffee, alcohol, THC, supplements, pharmaceutical drugs, all of those. Um, and so alcohol is one that's really interesting in that in a number of studies, it does seem to indicate that it does tend to help with something with sleep onset. So your ability to kind of fall asleep with ease or swiftly, that's about where it ends as far as any benefits. Um, and even that is questionable because sometimes it, you can miss that benefit and have other problems, but <laughs> bar none, what tends to happen is maybe you're falling asleep, but then it turns into kind of this mess where what we tend to particularly see is increased sleep fragmentation. So you're going to be waking up and super annoying when then the way in which you're waking up, because it can be kind of the stress response. You might feel really hot. Um, now you're just sort of awake, uh, you know, headaches, dry mouth, um, anxiety, kind of the stress response might, uh, ensue for various people, depending on the dosage. Uh, but even we even does seem to be on a relatively low dosage, depending on the time of that alcohol intake, um, still shows up in your sleep results. So the other thing I'd say about that for some people that say, Oh, well, you know, for me, it's not that big of a deal. I sleep through the night and, um, you know, you know, I just recover the next day, whatever. When you see, that's one of the places I think wearables really shine is with alcohol in particular, because the most common, one of the most common things that I see that people appreciate from wearables is just understanding how much there's an objective fallout of drinking before bed, or I'm talking hours before bed and still seems to show up. And how it shows up is often that sleep fragmentation, um, so more wake ups and sometimes an adjustment of the total sleep quality, the quantity, so the sleep efficiency, and then a hundred percent for, um, very commonly an uptick in your heart rate. So your heart's having to do more work, beating faster throughout the course of the night, which of course can impact your full sleep recovery. Then HRV heart rate variability. Um, if this is a newer term for some people, I think it's a really important, it's, it's another term that I do anticipate many, many people are going to hear more about in the future. And the reason that this one seems to be important is it, it's kind of our best metric at the moment for understanding how your nervous system is responding and then how well recovered you are second to second. Cause your heart rate variability is basically the, um, timing between your heartbeat 
minutes. And there's, it's called variability for a reason. And it's meant to be sort of chaotic and it's a really complex metric. Um, but there's an argument that it might be a really important metric for understanding how rich and how well recovered your sleep was the night before. Because if you're measuring your heart rate variability throughout the course of the night, the next day, you can get a sense of uh, how well recovered you were, which is kind of part of our goal with sleep, presumably. Um, and then if you wake up with this poor recovery uh, metric of our average, which would show up with a lower uh, HRV for most people, and these are, I'm talking in generalized terms, but for most people, unless you have like arrhythmias or certain other considerations, um, most people, if there's a dip in your HRV from your baseline, then that can signal to you, oh my gosh, something was impeding my ability to recover. And that allows us to understand what are some of the habits, behaviors, um, environment, um, piece, um, of the puzzle that might be impacting our sleep quality. So for the alcohol piece to wrap that up, um, we almost always see, uh, with most people impacts, even with a few drinks, um, you know, leading up in those hours before bed and really quite profoundly and sometimes lasting for subsequent days thereafter, just an impact on your nervous system. Um, and so I guess the one practical takeaway is if you are going to drink, we uh, would actually kind of encourage you to have more day drinking at play. So kind of boozy brunch, um, maybe at the latest kind of like a happy hour, if you will. But the reason I'm saying that is we're trying to give you more time to allow your body to recover before you go into sleep. Um, now that could bring its own problems or sometimes if we're drinking earlier or faculties might not all be there and we might keep drinking or kind of make poor choices with eating or other things, but that's at the moment, kind of one of our best tactics yeah. or totally get it, away, get it away from bedtime. Yes. But you're like, kind of like, Hey, maybe just limit it. If you can, maybe just limit it. And that's what I see for a lot of people. Once they start getting into this game of sleep optimization, and I really hope that, you know, we could kind of have fun with it and kind of gamify it. And then once you start to see like how much better you feel when you actually do have this, I mean, I often joke that I'm like addicted to feeling good. Cause I spent so much of my life feeling not like not yeah. waking up like in that I would wake up with headaches and just, you know, uh, instability in my mood and anxiety and all these things that I just thought was me. But once I started to really optimize for the sleep piece to wake up consistently feeling great. I didn't even think that was available to me. Um, and I see that for so many clients. And once they embark in this world, um, one of the things that seems to happen is then there's the, the cost benefit of analysis of that drink or two versus, so am I going to feel like ugh, measurably yucky for the subsequent day or sometimes even days or um, abstain or limit and then feel really good consistently and have this new reality be at play. A lot of people choose that new reality. I like, that. I like the new reality. That's cool. Yes. <laughs> this episode of the Girl Powerful podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Hi, this is Teddy, one of the co-hosts of the Girl Powerful podcast. In my 20s, I was super confused about who I was or not about who I was, but how I expressed myself. But now that I'm older, it seems like that's very common. Getting to know yourself is a lifelong process and gaining tools from a therapist would make that journey a little easier. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist 
who can take you on that journey of self-discovery. When I have had a therapist in the past, it was super beneficial because I felt like I had a cheerleader in my life. But one thing was, going into the office was time-consuming, so BetterHelp is a great resource for people on the go. It's convenient and flexible. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GirlPower today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GirlPower. Um, it just, when you're just talking about the health of your sleep and then therefore the health of your body and your brain, have you ever, and I don't want to get off on a crazy tangent, but it just made yeah. me think. Like with millennials, and I'm assuming you're kind of a millennial like me. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mid thirties. Um, you know, every. I mean, I I just thought of like fertility, and I wonder where sleep falls in with that health. Oh, you are brilliant, bringing these really important points together. Um, fertility and circadian health, and of course, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm throwing out circadian. I probably should define. Um, you know, circadian rhythms, most people may have heard of this and it's just this 24 hour rhythm that we are functioning on as human, um, beings who are diurnal creatures, meaning that we're meant to be active by day and at rest at night. Um, and so we find that if we really, um, uh, maximize or strengthen that circadian rhythm. And it's all kind of just working. There's a lot of benefits that come from our overall health and well-being, including our most commonly understood circadian rhythm piece, which is that sleep wake cycle. Now there's others, but that's probably one of the most well-known. Um, and when you are malaligned or misaligned with your circadian rhythm, then we see a lot of other deleterious effects. Um, you know, shift working had back in 2007 been listed as this possible kind of cancer causing activity that you might be engaging in just simply by working um, at, you know, quote unquote, the wrong times or when we are meant to be sleeping could cause uptick your uh, risk of cancers. So we know well, is that-, that is that like a, even like a, TV watcher that get like binge watches and stay yes, up right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> well, so you, like, you validate anything I say. <laughs> really? Man. So it makes me so happy because I really, I'm so excited for this to get out into the world for people to, cause it's, it lands. It kind of, it's like that tracks. Okay. I, mm-hmm. that I understand that. And once we start speaking this into existence more routinely that everyone's like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. That, that fits. So you nailed it because one of the things that we're missing is that we're, many of us are acting as if we're shift workers of our own design because of simply the, by the way we're running our lives. And this is known as social jet lag. It, I think it could actually use a different title because even COVID showed us that many times we're not socializing with anyone and yet it's just us and like our phones or Netflix. And yet we're totally skewing off of these um, consistent routines and certainly outside of the rhythms of nature, uh, far outside of like when the sun would set in the past, like hunter gatherer days, we believe that so it's likely is that we would have gone to sleep kind of a little, you know, a couple hours after sunset. Whereas Mm -hmm. now it's like a whole other. Yeah. Or even just like full-blown electricity. You can have your house lit up and it's daytime, you know? Exactly. I'm curious. So this is actually something that's been going on with me and my boyfriend, because I'm one of those people that 
when my head hits the pillow, I get to fall asleep. Lucky me. Yeah. yeah. And I don't wake up. I don't even do the bathroom. Like I'm just asleep. It's kind of weird. So, but I really want to work on a bedtime routine. Yes. So I want you to help me like design that. Like, is it put my cell phone away in the other room? Is it, I, we take magnesium. I know the answers, but we're not yes. doing them. And then Tommy is the guy that like all fall asleep and he'll go in the other room and watch another show. And then he wakes up groggy and like grumpy and all these things. And he knows the answer, but he's sure. just not doing it. So like, I guess where have you even seen clients where it's like, okay, that I'm ready, you know, I'm ready to make this change and this lifestyle change because like, I care about myself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So as far as the, so one, I'll say, the call out of how you're falling asleep the minute your head hits the pillow. Um, cause I'm sure other people listening, they might experience that or their, you know, their spouse does that or friend or whatever. Um, now I will say that whenever we hear this, that we do kind of put a red flag up that there yeah. could be something that might be impacting, um, the sleep quality of someone that is falling asleep the minute their head hits the pillow. Uh, and so we would want to kind of check and make sure that there's not other sleep pathologies at play because there are over you know 80 different um, sleep pathologies that we'd want to make sure we're not missing. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the particularly most or a very common one is some form of sleep apnea or respiratory, um, you know, problem with our sleep. And so, and that's a very common reason why we would immediately fall asleep the minute our head hits the pillow. Um, so meaning once we fall asleep, so we're already kind of sleep deprived for many people. And so we fall right asleep. Um, and yet the quality of the sleep that we're getting might be at question or in question. Um, so, so you're saying it's connected to like breath, like when you yes. said respiratory? Well, so that would, so if you're someone that, um, also falls asleep the minute your head hits the pillow, um, we'd want to make sure that you don't, you're not at risk for some of these other signs that could indicate sleep apnea. So other signs would be you're waking up, not feeling fully rested. You have morning headaches. Um, you have dry mouth, uh, for some people it is frequent wake ups. Now I hear for you, it's, uh, it sounds like you're sleeping throughout the night, snoring, certainly common, but not always, a, a factor. Um, sometimes it can be overweight, a uh, large neck circumference, but it does not have to just mean that. And sometimes that is more in the camp for men. Um, uh, whereas women often get missed for this and they might not have those same signs. So that's why there's a big, um, kind of, uh, you know, mission to help educate women on some of their different signs for sleep apnea. So I'm saying all this because you can pretty easily check for sleep apnea now about 200 bucks, us dollars, um, for at home sleep tests. Uh, Lofta is one company online, empower sleep, um, rest assured. There's a bunch of them where they'll send you for about 200 bucks. Like, you know, they'll send it right away. So maybe by this week you could get tested. Um, and all you do is go to sleep and wear this thing. Um, and then get some information about the quality of your sleep. Now, another one is called Wesper.io, um, and they will do kind of a wearable tracker that gives you more information about your sleep positions and how you're breathing and all these other things and can also- Yeah, I know. Right? I started snoring like in the last year, like majorly. Okay. And Connie's like, what is going on? 
Okay. So I snore. Like I didn't even know. Cause like, right. Until you have like someone in your room, you don't really know. Yes. Uh, so a hundred percent. And a lot of people, and I have a lot of single clients that have no right. idea. Um, so what I'd say is it, there's really no harm in okay. one. There's a free app called snore lab that you can, people can get and just put that on in the background for do it for a few nights because there's different things that can flare up, um, snoring or apneas. So eating later alcohol, you know, certain stressors, other sleep positions, a number of things. Um, so you'd want to get in multiple nights, ideally, and then see if you are having audible um, snoring out of a decent amount of your night, it'll give you kind of a score and give you more information. Um, that could be another well, you don't, I, He like is a stinker and like yeah. will record it because he's like, I don't think you understand what's happening. Yeah. And then you listen to it and you're like, oh, that is so cringy and like yeah. the opposite of feminine. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, you know, and I so glad you're calling that out and I'm so glad you're being vulnerable and sharing. Yeah. Some people would be like, Oh, I don't want to say that. thank you because yeah. it can, it's actually something that I think for a long time we would like laugh about, you know, Oh, our grandfather does it or whatever. Ha, ha, ha. Um, and yet, no, it's something that there's, that's a signal that we're having difficulty breathing throughout the course it's of our scary. night. Kind of scary. Yes. And if left unchecked, um, our concern is, could that be consistently impacting the quality of your sleep, the ability for you to get into deeper sleep staging? Um, now you might not remember certain wake-ups, but it could be causing kind of micro wake-ups. And for some people they do remember, so it's even more frustrating. Um, but either way could be impacting the quality of your sleep. So if you have if you're listening to this and I'm like, oh, okay, some of those, I'm checking the boxes from those. It could be worth one, either getting the online um, at-home sleep test. Two, you go into your doctor and you do often have to really advocate for yourself on this. Cause like I mentioned, unfortunately, a lot of these doctors um, sadly systemically don't know some of these signs, but if you go in armed with like, I'd really like to get a sleep test, um, then often they can oblige or, you know, or they might be in the know and then say, of course. Um, and so one, you might be able to get either an in-lab sleep test, which will give even more information about your sleep and then can look at sleep um, uh, staging and gets more information about what's happening in your brain throughout the course of your sleep. Or at the very least, give you, uh, or not even very least, but conveniently enough, could give yeah. you an at-home sleep test all under your insurance as well. Yeah. I think it's important because even like what you said at the beginning of the podcast, like that it, you know bad sleep can be linked to Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, yes, Parkinson's dementia, neurological. And, and it yeah. makes sense though, because if you're like sleeping for eight hours and there's not enough oxygen going to your brain and through your organs, it just, that's like the long-term effects. It makes total sense. It really does. And yeah. I think it's been missed for a long time. There's also things that we're doing environmentally and behaviorally and a number of yeah. other so things. So what that about that for more? The word environmentally, like what should a nighttime routine look like? Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So to kind of start to wrap that all up, um, what I would say about the environmental piece, and maybe some people have heard of something that started trending during COVID was revenge bedtime procrastination. Um, <laughs> and people have heard of this, but it's this uh, term that's been coined where we're seeing more and more of us where we're just you know, we know our bedtime is like coming and going, but we're still scrolling or we're still watching shows or whatever. Um, and so we're trying to peel back, like, what is the psychology of the why that we're all, not all, but many of us are doing this. 
Um, and this actually has real research behind it. We just released an episode with um, uh, a key researcher in this space and different strategies. If, if that's part of the problem for, um, you know, the listener is just, you know, still taking is still being awake past their bedtime, still engaging in activities that maybe they're like, mm, I probably shouldn't be doing this right now. Um, then what we'd want to do is pull back and create some real circadian aligned structures. Now, I actually really call out that your evenings really begin in your mornings. So if you're having a roller coaster wake up schedule, um, where maybe, you know, four days a week, you wake up around the same time, but then the other three days there you sleep in or whatever. All of those things are a big, big impactor on your ability to fall asleep at around the same time, get sleepy at around the same time. So your first step really is to create a um, consistent wake up time around seven days a week, really no matter what happens the night before, largely you're trying to not overly compensate, even if your night was like not the best, um, that you're still waking up at around the same time, seven days a week, including the weekends, including, you know, all those other types of Molly, days. I don't think people are going to like that. They're not going to like that. That's like no. the weekend part, but it, no, I mean, they're not. And then what about the snooze button? Exactly. Exactly. Now I will say, um, the caveat to this is plus or minus 30 minutes for your wake up time. Um, so if you wake up a little bit later and 30 minutes later, what have you, um, it's still, you're still anchored at around that same wake up time. So if it's seven o'clock, then it's largely around maybe it's seven 30 on Saturday or whatever. Um, but it's still pretty, um, tailored and consistent. So all these clocks can kind of have that same cortisol pulse happening in the morning and about the same time. And yeah. then that then tells the body when to get sleepy at around the same time. And this is the big thing, like how many of us would love to be able to, you know, fall asleep with ease without needing a meditation app or breath work or all these elaborate things and lavender sprays and all this stuff to kind of coax us to sleep and to stay asleep. When you really bring this consistency to your sleep wake cycles, then a lot of this takes care of itself. And that's like kind of that. brilliant. Sub it. I yeah. like that. It's kind of like, get your shit together, people. <laughs> yes. Like, it's like, totally. it, it's like, go back to the basics, like, and have a little like discipline with yourself. Yes. Right? I think humans and adults right now are just like lacking in discipline or it's just yeah. like focused in other places, which is yeah. fine. But, but I think, you know, if, if you're struggling with like extra stress and like being all over the place with your sleep, like, why not put a little discipline in this bucket? Yes. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> but so are you, do you say like to keep the bedroom cool and like get blackout curtains and all those other helpful things, or are those just extras like the lavender spray? Oh no. I mean, and this is where this whole concept of sleep. So we named our company, uh, sleep is a skill for a reason, because 110%, it is the skill set that you can continue, no matter where you're at on your sleep journey, I can almost guarantee you that there are more things that we could bring in to up level. Um, mm -hmm. So there is a whole ethos, a whole world of this. Um, so there's a lot that you can unpack, but uh, yes, the, the tried and true making your bedroom cave-like cool, dark, and quiet um, is absolutely essential, like a non-negotiable. You really must set that up to get quality sleep. Um, and 
And over time, what we start to discover is just the improve the kind of compounding effect that can come about when you do set up these systems and shift your environment to pull for great sleep. Um, a lot of this can start to regulate and then you get to kind of have the benefits of waking up at around the same time and for many people without even alarm clock over times, mm-hmm. uh, over time. And then same with the bedtime, you just, Oh, I'm getting sleepy at around the same time consistently. So you're not even having to think about a lot of this. What's the timeline ballpark for the body and the brain to get used to that. If you're really going to like dive in. Well, there's, um, certain studies. So one study, uh, with this, uh, researcher, Kenneth Wright out of university of Colorado found that he took people that were all self-prescribed, um, self described uh, night owls and took them into the wilderness and went camping for did two different ways of looking at this for about a week and then for a long weekend. Um, and by being aligned with the rhythms of nature, they very quickly entrained. So without throughout the course of that one week, they already started kind of syncing up with sunrise, sunset. Um, and then even on the long weekend uh, study, they seem to start beginning to, so melatonin and beginning to um, pulse at the times that are aligned with those rhythms of nature. So if you really align, these are a lot of factors because it's about your temperature. It's about your, um, light exposure. It's about, you know, they didn't have screens. They weren't on their devices. None of that was happening. So if, if you kind of all inclusively take this area on within a, for most people, I'd say within a few weeks, you start to in-train the body to have these clocks kind of functioning online. If you consistently do this. I think that sounds like pretty quick, honestly, for the benefit. Like, you know, obviously we all want like instant gratification, but it's like, you might find that because everyone's a little different, you know, but a couple of weeks is awesome. Well, Molly, this whole thing was awesome. And it's like brought a lot of information to our Girl Powerful community. And everyone's probably going to like take a step back and be like, oh, let me dig into this a little more. Where can people dig in with you and find you online and more, um, more about sleep as a skill? Sure. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so at sleepisaskill.com, you can take a free sleep assessment, put in some information about what's going on with your sleep right now. We'll give you um, tailored information back around your specific situation with your sleep. Um, we have a weekly sleep newsletter called Sleep Obsessions that we've been doing every Monday for over four years. Haven't missed a Monday. So we'd love to have people on there. So some people have had on for years and years on the newsletter. Um, we have something called an aura ring audit process that we do with people. So if you're wearing an aura ring, um, we can, uh, sync you up to our dashboard. We have one of the largest databases of aura ring users from an optimization perspective outside of research. Um, so we've, you know, looked at tons and tons of, uh, aura ring users. So we can give you some insights, tips, tricks, and things to, uh, realign your own sleep. If you're looking for further support, we do things like cohorts where you go through a 10 week long, um, training program. And that's also with all these things, we, um, hook you up the aura ring so that we can be tracking the progress, not just like, you know, a nice idea, but really seeing on the ground, how you're improving. Um, and then if you want even more hands-on support, we have one-on-one offerings. Um, and we have a weekly, um, podcast as well, two episodes a week that we put out with different sleep experts, um, so that you can get further free information to help support your sleep. So wherever you might be 
at with your um, journey, with your, you know, you know, your wallet, all of those things, then we want to help support you because, you know, we've got a lot of free information that we can give you to help um, improve your sleep now. And then we're also um, really upping more of our content on Instagram. So that's at um, molly.eastman, molly with an IE. I know this, that one throws people a lot. Uh, but with all that, um, our aim is to really uh, share this message that sleep is a skill. And, you know, no matter if you've always thought of yourself as a poor sleeper, a bad sleeper, a night owl, whatever you might've been saying to yourself that there's things that you can absolutely do to transform this area. I love that. Thank you for all this work and this information. I feel like I could talk to you for a long time. Maybe we'll have to do a, another one down the line. Yes. My mom, wanted, my mom was like, oh, you're talking to someone about sleep. And all she wanted to talk about was dreams. But maybe, you know, someone yes. could talk to me about dreams or maybe that's you. Oh, yeah. Well, one, you could always talk about that. And two, might want to check out the book, Why We Dream, which is pretty cool. Um, it might be a deep dive uh, more so. It's like the history of dreams than our latest research and latest understanding of dreams. So it's kind of a cool one to look at. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Molly. I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so Bye. much. Appreciate it. Bye. Thanks to our guest. For more information on her, see the show notes. Please hit subscribe if you have not already. That way, a new episode is delivered directly to your feed every week.